over and so I don't ramble. Uh, 20 to 25 minutes is my goal, and I don't want to waste a second of it. Amen? All right. <laughs> okay. First things first. Thank you, Jesus. Second, thank you, Pastor Jamie. I know you're not here, but like, you know, you're in the spirit. It's chilling over there somewhere. Um, and if you're sleeping in, I pray that the sleep is awesome, right? Um, so thank you for the opportunity, and then thank all of you all for coming. It's amazing, and I can't think about it too long because it'll make me cry. <laughs> so thank you. All right, jumping right into this. By show of hands, how many of you all have ever been called weird in your life? We're in church, don't lie. Raise your hand. Yeah, all of us. Pretty much every single one of us, right? If we've been living for any certain amount of time, which we have, um, we've all been called weird at least once. Now, this word weird has a negative connotation attached to it, a negative meaning. Usually, if you're calling someone weird or they're calling you weird, it's a bad thing, right? Like, look at that weirdo, right? It's not a good thing. But what if I told you that a word this world avoids, my God embraces? What if I told you that consistently and constantly throughout his word, he commands us to be weird? But the Bible is written on such a higher level than this world can attain to that it uses a classier word. Peculiar. I love that word. Peculiar. Peculiar is a peculiar word. And that's the title of this message. So if you're taking notes and you're old school like I am, the title is A Peculiar People for a Peculiar Moment. All right. Let's jump into this. So what does peculiar really mean? Simply put, it means uncommon, set apart, specifically chosen. Biblically speaking, that's what that means. Set apart by God, made it different. But see, we're not peculiar for the sake of being peculiar, not weird for the sake of being weird. We have a reason and a purpose for this. Otherwise, it's a waste of time to just be weird for the sake of being weird, okay? I wanna get into that, and I wanna inspire you. I wanna challenge you. I wanna convict you. I, want, I wanna inspire change in every single one of us, amen? Let's get right into this. I'm excited. Um, so how did all this come about? Just a quick backstory about two years ago, I guess it was, when March 2020, when chaos was swirling all around us, right? When people were hating you because you were going to vote for Donald Trump or they were going to hate you because you were going to vote for Joe Biden or, you know, this person's wearing a mask, they're evil, this person's not wearing one, they're evil, etc. Um, unnecessary racial divisions and things of this nature, just hatred, division, disunity everywhere. So in the midst of all these loud, screaming voices of culture, I heard a still small voice. And he whispered to me, and it hit me louder than any voice in the world around me was at that time. And there were some pretty loud voices. This still small voice said, Justin, be peculiar. Justin, be peculiar. And then that eventually evolved into Justin, be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 
be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So the first slide is going to um, take this verse and show it to you. If you're able to put slide one up, it comes from Titus 2.14. I love this verse. Who gave himself for us, that's talking about Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That was the phrase of the verse that kept replaying over and over in my head two years ago. So now fast forward to May 15, 2022, and you and I together are going to find out what God was trying to say. Because this word wasn't just for me, it was supposed to be for us all. So I've been sitting on this word, trying to figure out what he wants to say for two years. And I'm excited about it, okay? It's got to get out of me one way or another. Plus, I've had a lot of coffee. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> so in this book of the Bible, which the Bible isn't even a book. <laughs> it's a library of 66 books written by one God through various men. Amen? The written word of God will never contradict the living word of God, and the living word of God will never contradict the written word of God. That's where my authority stands, and we're going to hit this book of the Bible. Uh, the Apostle Paul was writing to his son Titus under the, the guidance and leadership of the Holy Ghost, and this is one of the verses that he wrote in that second chapter. Now, I have a knack for taking things and breaking them down and making them as simple as possible. At least I've been told this. Um, if you're able to put slide two up, that would be awesome. Heck yeah, I love it. Okay, so this is the verse put into Justin language, I guess. And it says, we Christians are rescued, redeemed, saved by God, and specifically crafted, cleaned, purified, and forged by him, uniquely, uncommonly, and specifically chosen by him, dedicated to doing good deeds for everyone. That's the simplest way to put that verse that even an elementary child can understand it, and I love it. You know, the most complicated verse in the Bible is written on no more than a sixth grade reading level, and that's King James. So there's no excuse, amen? So we can break this down, and we can get a hold of this. Okay. So why do we, good, why do, we do good deeds for everyone? Deeds is another, you know, works. When we hear about works, Gav, like we're talking about deeds, right? Okay, good works, good deeds. That's what the Bible's saying. But why do we do good deeds for everyone, why, why should we do that? For the sake of being good? Because anybody can go out there and feed a thousand homeless people, but it means nothing if it's not directed and guided by love. Hey, let me get my phone out while I feed this person and post it on Facebook real quick to make myself look good. Right? That's stereotypical, that's hypocritical, and it means nothing. Amen? So we have to have a purpose by this, and love, it's that simple, it's always love, it always has been, and it always will be the one force that we have to have directing every good deed that we do. But why do we do good deeds? I like the answer to this. 
Because when you do the works of God, the works of darkness will begin to crumble. Two years ago, in some of the worst places in America, where you weren't even allowed to leave your house, where city streets were burning to the ground, where people were rioting, where violence was going on, um, et cetera, et cetera, just horrible places, there was this one man. He decided to hold prayer rallies in some of the worst cities in America that you shouldn't even be able to leave your, your, your house in, right? He held these prayer rallies. And people would come by the droves, by the thousands, and they would lay down their crack pipes at these uh, rallies. They'd lay down their heroin needles. They would lay down their, their, uh, all their drug paraphernalia, etc. They would lay down their crutches. It's 2022 and God still heals. So thousands got saved. Thousands got healed. And thousands got delivered in a time when we weren't allowed to do anything. You know, light is best measured against a dark backdrop. And that's what this guy did. And he's just one simple example. His name's Sean Foyt. You can look him up online. I don't agree with the things that he says. That's awesome. I don't really care. He was just trying to serve God. I don't agree with everything he says either. But as long as he's doing something for God, and I saw the fruit of that, I test that spirit, and I see that it's from God. Amen? And I just want to use that to inspire you. So, the works of darkness began to crumble, and all it took was one person. Yeah? Second, why do we do these good deeds? Because when you do good deeds for others, you show them that your faith is not only alive, but it's genuine. We have all heard that verse in James that faith without works is dead. Let's try to put that into a practical scenario. Our neighbors, we call ourselves Christians, but if our only evidence of that is an empty driveway for an hour every Sunday and an occasional Facebook Bible verse and we're failing God and we're failing them, right? God still loves us in spite of ourselves, but we gotta do better. This is all James was trying to say. Hey, I know you're saved by grace through faith, but you gotta make sure that your faith is alive. Because yes, we're justified by grace, Romans 3. That's justified before God. But before this world, they have to see our good deeds. Otherwise, they look at us and they say, hey, there's another hypocritical, holier than now, stereotypical Christian you know, they don't do anything good for anyone. Um, they don't bless anyone. They're, you know, they go to church. Newsflash. Our church attendance doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help God either. It's a good thing to do, and I think we should, and we are commanded to go to church. But Jesus didn't die on the cross to boost our church attendance. Our reading of the Bible is amazingly important. And without it, we wouldn't know much of anything about Jesus or anything of this life. But our reading of the Bible and our memorization of its scriptures 
don't help people. They can't see that. We have to show people that our faith is alive, genuine, and real by doing good deeds for them. And this more often than not means doing good deeds for people who don't deserve it. Jesus did a good deed for all of us and none of us deserve it. We're supposed to be like him. Amen. We haven't got into the message yet, but I'm feeling it. Is it helping y'all? I'm liking it. Thank you, Jesus. I like what Jesus himself said. He said, I'm going to try to memorize this. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. They have to see your good deeds. Jesus just cares about your heart. The world out there doesn't know Jesus. They have to see good deeds. They have to see evidence that your faith is real and it's not just you yapping about something on Facebook or attending church for an hour on a Sunday. They have to see that it's real. They have to see you do uncommon things. I want to get into that because I want to help you all. Every single one of you, and I'm preaching to myself because I need the most help here. But I want to see us all go out tomorrow and be a better Christian than we are today. Otherwise, why are we here? What's the purpose? I think it's great to surround ourselves, but man, we should all want to be more effective for Christ today than we were yesterday. Amen? I know I want that. I want to decrease so much that when I walk into a room, they see me last and him first. On my tombstone, don't put my name. Just put John 3.16 and... This was a guy that Jesus loved. That's it. Bury me in a cardboard box because I'm not there. I'm there. Amen? I know what some of you all are thinking. Justin, this all sounds good. I feel like I'm at a football game. It's halftime, and I'm ready to go out there and make some good plays, right? I like that. Like, I'm a Rocky and Nick kind of guy. Coming in the last round. Coming in that last round and, and doing something but Justin, I want to do this stuff. I really, really do. I don't want to go by the motions anymore. I really want to do something with God and people. I want my faith to be real. But what about my gambling problem? What about my pornography watching? What about my cussing? What about, you know, the, the cigarettes and the weed that I smoke? What about the uh, alcohol that I consume? What about the bad thoughts that I've had? What about the affairs and the divorces that I've had? In the words of my buddy, Hank Thomas, which a good bit of you know, he told me years ago when he was preaching, he said, when you sin, repent and move on. Why? Because your sin doesn't disqualify you. It just makes you feel disqualified. Your sin doesn't separate you from God. It just makes you feel separated from him. My God loves me in spite of myself and in spite of my sin. And thank God that he died for sinners and he qualifies for sinners. Amen? So if you're here and you want to do something for him and others, but you're feeling disqualified, welcome to the club. You're in the right place. Because when the world disqualifies you, my God qualifies you. Amen?
I've felt disqualified most of my whole life, and people have called me every name but good ones. So what? I don't, I don't have that identity. My identity is found in Christ, and he qualifies me. So if you're alive and breathing, you're qualified, and this message is for you. Get a hold of this. I'm, I'm really excited about, about this. I think it's going to stir you up. Let's talk about some people <laughs> that shouldn't have been qualified. Peter denied Jesus three times. Paul persecuted Christians. Noah was a drunk. David had an affair. Thomas was a doubter. Jonah ran from God. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. And Lazarus was dead. But God used them all. There's no excuse. So now that we're all on an equal level playing ground, let's see how we can be used and why we need to be used. Amen? Okay. Let's see here. Identity. Let's hit that first. We talk about identity a lot here, and the culture talks about identity. Let's hit it. If you're a Christian, the question isn't, do you have the authority? It's, why are you not exercising the authority that you already have? Because when we begin to act in accordance with the identity that he has given us, it'll create a boldness and a courage to live out the mission that he's given us. That's identity. In a world full of mistaken and fruitless identities, what kind of identity does God give us? We've all heard this before, and it's so encouraging, and I love this identity because their identity is not based on anything real. His identity is based on everything good. It's, you're more than a conqueror, Justin. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? You're the lender and not the borrower. You're the head and not the tail. Nothing is impossible for me because I have him. That's my identity. I'm a saint. Even though I screwed up yesterday and sinned, I'm still a saint. My sin can't, can't change my identity in Christ. That's good. Wasn't in my notes, but I like it. Thank you. I love you. Little is, little is so much when you're in it. My feeble words, <laughs> you magnify them and amplify them because you're that good. And I love you. That's identity. Do you see how that identity is so much more valuable than what this culture bases its identity on? It doesn't matter who you're attracted to. It doesn't matter what skin color you are. It doesn't matter how you voted or what political agenda you aspire to. Who cares? None of that's going to change our heart or save a soul. This world doesn't need that. This world needs your identity that's only found in Christ because it's encouraging. Amen? Okay, so that's identity. Mission. What is our mission? What's the purpose of life? 
go to school. Culture says that the purpose of this life is to go to school um, so you can get a good job, to get a nice house, get a car, raise a family. That's cool. Then what? Pay bills, pay taxes, and die, I guess. If that's the purpose of this life, then I want nothing to do. My life is so much more. We have so many, let me forget that sentence. Gabriella, come up here, please, baby. What's the purpose of this life? Tell us what you want to do. To love Jesus and love others. To love Jesus and love others. Thank you. I love you. To love Jesus and love others. Simply put, to love God and love people. We've had so many celebrities and, you know, artists and uh, rich people and famous people kill their life, take their own life because they felt they had no purpose. It just goes to show that, that money ain't, ain't the purpose. That your family is awesome as they are, not the purpose. The one who gave you that family is the purpose. Loving God and loving people is the purpose. If you have that purpose, you have everything. You have a reason for getting up every morning, amen? Um, let's get that next slide. It's like, a, it's like a bulleted list sort of deal. Ways to be peculiar in this world. So we're actually starting the message now. All that was just a precursor. But we're still kind of on time. I'm running just a couple minutes behind, but we're in it. Are y'all liking this? Is it helping? Okay. I want to give you just a, bear with me, seven or eight minutes by God's grace, okay? Um, ways to be peculiar in this world. Now that we have a foundation of why we need to be peculiar, how can we? some simple ways. Basically ripped straight out of scripture here. Love those who hate you. Show them love even while they're showing you hate. That's impossible without God. Try it. Respond in silence rather than vengeance. Forgive those who don't deserve it. Act courageously instead of coward. Doesn't mean to act with no disregard. Just means to act Courageous. Amen. Listen to God's voice more than you listen to man's. Amen. The power of life and death is in the tongue. I listen to his voice. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Unite when they divide. What I mean by they is anyone who tries to divide any other reason, uh, any other group of people or person just for reasons that don't make any sense, right? Unite. <sighs> Encourage while they discourage. Walk humbly while they walk arrogantly. Show gratitude for everything and everyone. Be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. The Bible calls us to be a peacemaker. There's a difference, don't have time to go into it. Pray and pray on the spot. All right, we're getting down 
towards the end. Are y'all getting helped? Awesome. Thank you so much for the encouragement. I heard that, man. That's awesome. I love you. Let's hit just a couple of these. I want to give you some real-world examples, okay? Loving those while they show you hate. The one that I said it's impossible without God. Sure, you can try it, and you might succeed a little bit, but it is extremely difficult even with God to show someone the love while they're simultaneously showing you hate. (laughs) A few years ago, I was writing for the newspaper, and we did something that you're not supposed to do for a newspaper, that you're not allowed to do in the newspaper, and something that you would get fired for doing now. I was working for a secular newspaper, I was a news reporter, and God had me on a mission writing about miracles, local miracles. And in these news stories, we were mentioning Jesus, not just once or twice, but throughout it's the article, you know, multiple times, mentioning Jesus, mentioning scripture. And I remember God led me to this girl who was facing certain death and she overcame it. People were praying and she overcame death. She's a walking miracle, okay? I even got the doctors and nurses to go on record and admit that she's a miracle. Doctors and nurses don't like going there. Usually. Usually. Okay, but they went on record and mentioned she was a miracle. So I wrote all this. Everybody loved it. It was great. Praise God. But somebody in her family got really angry at me. You remember this, Brandy? Yeah. You were with me when this happened. We were watching TV. Um, this person got angry at me and threatened to kill me because I was giving God credit for the miracle in the story and I wasn't giving him. So slew of cuss words, cussing me up, one down, side and down the other. Where do you live? I'm going to find you and teach you a lesson, yada, yada, yada. And I said, God, help me respond. Help me respond. The next few minutes, what came out of my mouth is he's cussing me. You mother effer, this, that, and the other. And then I said, it's okay, I forgive you. I'm going to find you and teach you a lesson. It's okay. Jesus died for you and he forgives you. I'm going to come over there right now and beat you to a pulp. It's okay. I love you. That was our exchange. So every insult, every mockery, every cuss word, every threat of violence towards me, my response was through love. Because of him, that conversation lasted a few minutes, and then he was eventually silenced. I haven't heard from him since. I couldn't have done that without him. That's an example of showing someone the love while they show you hate. It's not easy at all, but you can do all things through him. Responding in silence, this is a much more lighthearted one. We might laugh at it, but the more we, you know, all of us drive, okay, just about, the more we got here with someone who did drive. The more you drive, the more you come across people who can't. This happens, it's, it's all good, it's just life, but when that person cuts us off, break checks us, acts a fool, what if instead of doing what culture says we should do, which is roll on the window, flip them a bird, or cuss them, or what have you, what if we took a deep breath and said, God touch them, you know, they, they need you, and just kept on driving about our day? 
acting in silence rather than retaliation or vengeance. That's just a simple, easy to apply one, right? This is all supposed to be just a springboard. I expect y'all to do better than mine, I hope. Um, showing gratitude. I use this one often. This is one of me and my wife's favorite pastimes, and I don't say this to shine light on us, I say shine light on him. You go to a restaurant and you're waiting for a while because that's how a lot of restaurants are nowadays, they're struggling. Um, you have a, a, a waitress and your coffee is not cold. It's not hot, it's lukewarm, and you wait 20 minutes for that. You drink it. Uh, you get your steak and you really love steak, right? You get your steak and you ask for like medium well or something and it comes back and it's still like alive and red and stuff. Um, and, and you know, it's just not good. You take a bite or two. What if, instead of complaining to the, the waitress and the manager and, and being somewhat assertive and rude, <clears throat> what if you get a to-go box and take that steak home to your pet? <clears throat> what if you're very kind to your server and your bill's 20 bucks? What if you pay that? and then you leave them a $20 bill as a tip, and then on your receipt, you write, Jesus loves you. This is a simple gesture that may not seem like a big deal at the time, but that could very well destroy an age-old, uh, what is it, stereotype that, you know, restaurants have against Christians that we're not good tippers, we're not good givers, and we're rude. Maybe that'll plant that little seed in that server's heart where she'll say, man, there's something different about that Christian. I want what they have. Because they're expecting you to respond in some sort of aid, and you respond in love. Just a simple gesture. We love doing that. <laughs> I just like, like helping. Pray on the spot. We're almost done. Just a couple more minutes. I know I'm a touch over. Just a couple minutes left. Praying on the spot. My uncle, Bruce Young, before he left this world, he told me, Justin, talk to people that listen. Ask them how they're doing, and eventually they'll tell you. <laughs> so when you talk to someone, listen. When you ask them how they're doing, listen. And eventually, they'll get through the niceties and the small talk of, yeah, it's sunny out there, and it's hot, and yada, yada. And eventually, they're going to tell you how they're doing. And when they do, it's going to be something like, you know, gas is so high right now. I can't hardly afford it. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's your opportunity right there to pray for them. Or, you know, Johnny is doing great at school, Susie's doing well, but you know, my stomach's been jacked up for two days. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I can't get out of the bathroom. That's your opportunity to pray for them right there. You wanna be peculiar? Don't say, I'll pray for you and then go home, because you'll forget. No matter who they are or where you are, Take their hand and pray for them right then and there. Well, Justin, what if I offend them? Two plus two equals four is offensive to everyone who believes it equals five. Does it really matter? 
If you're doing it in love, God will work out all the details, even if you do offend them. And I'm telling you that I've prayed for atheists, and I've never had one deny a prayer. Because nobody's that foolish. Because if there's even a chance <coughs> that your prayer will work, the most cold-hearted atheist will accept it. They may look at you weird. They may be a little bit reluctant, but they will accept your prayer. Well, Justin, I don't read the Bible much. I don't pray much. I don't know what I'm going to say. Watch this. God, I know their stomach's messed up right now, but I know that you can heal them. So please touch their stomach in Jesus' name. Amen. That's 10 seconds long and all of us can pray. And you never know the seed that you might plant. Plus, they see that your faith is real and it's not just a word. That's praying on the spot. Always, don't be afraid. No one will reject you. And if they do, knock the dust off your sandals and move on to the next. Almost done. Be courageous when others are scared. There's a lot I could say about this one, but I'm going to take it a completely different direction than what you're probably expecting me to, and that's fine. Your job is your ministry. You cut hair, sell houses, you work on cars, you go to school, you do plumbing work, electrical, I don't care. Your job is your ministry. Someone, you talk to them, and when they need help, don't be afraid to offer help via prayer. This goes right along in line with the other. Make your faith bold and courageous. I'm not saying stand up there and say, God is going to send you to hell because you disagree with this, that, and the other. Be courageous. Just offer prayer. If you've got a little bit of money and they're struggling financially, just say, you know what? God has been good to me. You in Jesus' name. Be courageous enough to pray for people. Be courageous enough to bless strangers. They're going to think you're peculiar, but that's what we're called to be. I do this sometimes on the job, and I, I'll, I'll hear people, and God, what's going on? This person's telling me they're going through this, that, and the other. Justin, go pray for them. That's them. Justin, I need you to go pray for him. My palms start sweating. My heart starts racing. I get cold chills. I'm like, God, I don't want to do it. You know, what, what if I offend them? You know, what if they don't even believe? What if, what if I screw up the prayer? Just do it. Just do it. I've got you, Justin. Just do it. I know how I'll feel if I waste that opportunity. What if my prayer for them? their salvation and I say no God because I'm scared because I'm too shy and what if they get what if they get in a wreck on the way and they die without Christ but if I would have just told them a little bit about Jesus that would have been big enough to save or led to their salvation but I said no because I was too scared that I might offend them or something or I was too shy or I don't think I know enough Bible or I'm, I don't have the right words to say That's why we're called to be peculiar. And if we do good deeds for these people, even the smallest of deeds can change their life. They can plant a seed that can lead to their salvation. These are just some examples. In a world that calls normal abnormal, in a world that loves what it should hate and hates what it should love, that mistakes bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Following Christ, better be peculiar.
peculiar. <laughs> if you are, you will be peculiar. Amen. So, do it now. As she plays behind me, I know most of you all, and we pretty much got a home crowd. Um, just a couple quick minutes. If you want a boldness and a courage to take a step out and pray for that one coworker that you've been afraid to pray for, that you don't want to offend them, you don't want to say something wrong. You want to talk to that classmate. You've got a family member you desperately want them to come to Jesus, but you don't know what to say. You're scared to even make the first move. You've got that store clerk at the gas station when you go and get gas, you talk to them every time you fill up. Want to say something every time you can feel a tug on your heart, but you walk away upset and discouraged because you don't know what to say. Still, let you either pray where you are, or you can come up here at the altar. It's a good point of contact. There's nothing special about these bricks, and although they look really cool, they're not going to answer any prayers. But you will. You can come up here if you'd like. I'm going to speak a quick prayer over you and then walk that home and eat something. Okay, let's bow our hands. Father, we come to you in the only name that we can, and that's Jesus. God, we ask that you take our feeble efforts and that you multiply them and amplify them, God. In a world that's so afraid of being offended, God, I ask that you take that fear of offending people with the boldness of giving people your love and your truth, God. Show us these opportunities to spread your truth to the people that we come into contact with. Give us a fresh inspiration that we can feel when we leave this church and go eat, when we go fill up our gas, when we go to work tomorrow, God. Show us these opportunities that we can reflect your life and truly be Jesus, amen. Cause